All right, we welcome you. This is part eight. We are working through the Psalms, select Psalms. We've entitled the series, Where to Turn. This is all about knowing where to turn in the Psalms when something hits you that, that maybe you didn't expect would hit you. And this morning, you can tell we're in part eight. We're talking about where to turn when depression blankets you like a cloud, okay? Now, like yourself, I've received many, many cards over uh, my life, and I'm sure you have as well. And uh, some of these cards I save, some of them you toss, right? Okay? And, but this is like my all-time most favorite card I've ever received. I received this from my son, Luke, and I was excited because it said on the front, Dad. And I was touched. I remember this is on Father's Day. And I, I receive this, and I'm like, wow, what's this going to say? And I open it up, and it says, you're number four. <laughs> and at first, honestly, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I started to get a little depressed. And then Tracy, you know, in, intervenes, my wife. She goes, no, 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 Mark, he's four years old, and it's the only number he knows how to write. So I started feeling a little bit better. <laughs> so, you know, just let me ask you a question. Do you ever get depressed? Is this something that you deal with, you know, something that you face? Hmm. Winston Churchill, I mean, one of the great humans in history said, depression follows me like a black dog. Abraham Lincoln said he knew awful depression. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and this is one of the greatest preachers of all time, known for his sparkling wit, his quick humor. He said he constantly battled depression. We see great individuals, heroes of the faith in the Bible, that battled depression. Elijah, he fell into this deep, dark hole uh, of depression after his victory on Mark, Mount Carmel. Remember Jeremiah? He was known as the weeping prophet, depressed over the destruction of Jerusalem. Job, I mean, he, he just scratched himself with a broken piece of pottery, listening to his depressive friends give him depressing advice. You look at John the Baptist. Here he lay in a prison cell, depressed, wondering if Jesus was in fact the Messiah. Do you ever wonder why we get depressed? Experts, they say temperament, that has something to do with it. If we're a little bit more introverted than we are extroverted, we're more inclined to become depressed. Certain circumstances can lead to our depression, uh, failure, disappointment, rejection, a loss we never expected, change in our lives, aging, and, and the list goes on, right? The media enhances our depression. This has been proved. The news on TV or on the internet can just pound the depressing truths of our contemporary world into our consciousness and our subconsciousness, and that affects our depression. 
Now, my purpose this morning is not to convince you that we get depressed, because I think you're here. We all know we get depressed. Nor is it to discuss the various reasons why we get depressed, because you know the reasons for your own life why you get depressed personally better than I could ever explain. The purpose this morning is to talk about where we should turn when we do get depressed. Where do we turn when, when depression it just blankets us like a cloud? How can we work through our depression and get to the other side? How do I overcome depression? Can I have victory over depression? And the answer is yes. It is, because that's what the Bible teaches, and we teach the Bible. So how can I overcome depression? Well, where do I turn? Turn to Psalm 42. If you're not there, please turn there. Now, Psalm 42 is a psalm of lament. And psalms of lament basically say life is tough, but there's hope. And life was tough for the psalmist that wrote Psalm 42. Now, look at the superscription there where it says, Psalm 42, for the director of music, Amaskil, which is a compilation, and it says, of the sons of Korah, it probably would be better stated to the sons of Korah. Because this is an anonymous psalm. We're not sure who really penned it. Most scholars believe they wrote this for the sons of Korah, who were Levitical leaders. But we're not sure who penned it. But the background for Psalm 42 is crystal clear. There's no doubt about it. And the background can be summarized uh, in five words. Depression because of the exile. Write that down somewhere. Depression because of the exile is the background for this psalm. Now, can you imagine how you would feel if a foreign country invaded the United States, invaded your community, your home where you live, and hauled us off by the thousands to a distant foreign land? That's having a bad day. <laughs> And that's what most scholars believe is the background for what the psalmist is experiencing when he writes Psalm 42. You've got to just picture that. I know that's hard for us to imagine. We feel so secure, but that's the thing. So did he, and all of a sudden he found himself in Babylon, as we're going to discover. In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel composed of ten tribes, was destroyed by the nation of Assyria. And then in 586, the southern kingdom of Judah was destroyed and taken uh, to Babylon. Judah lost her homeland, the monarchy, their autonomy, the worship center, the temple was gone. Every significant institution ceased to exist from 586 to 538, 48 years for Judah. And the psalmist who wrote this was a part of Judah, the southern kingdom, and he finds himself in Babylon. And it's during this time while in Babylon 
that the psalm pen, the psalmist pens Psalm 42. That's the context. Now imagine if this happened to you again. You're in a foreign country, you're enslaved. Where is your God? And, and he is in a state of depression. And it's so clear. And, and just notice a few verses. Psalm 42, look at verse 3, and let's just hear a little bit of his heart. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. That ever been in your life? You just can't stop crying. Whether it's outwardly or inwardly, day and night, the state of your heart is just tears. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? How can God be the God of your life when you're in the situation you are? People are actually teasing you. You claim to be a Christian. Where is your God? Look at your situation. And you're weeping inside your heart. This is what's going on with the psalmist. Look at verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within you? I mean, the depth of this depression, this guy is talking to his own soul and questioning, why are you so down? Why are you so depressed? Wow. Look at verses 9 and 10. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Have you ever come to the the point in your life where you're so low because of whatever circumstances, you're like, God, why have you forgotten me? This is spiritual depression. Why must I go about mourning oppressed by my enemy? Why must I go about mourning? It's emotional depression. Oppressed by my enemy, relational depression. My bones suffer mortal agony, physical depression. As my foes taunt me, wow, saying to me all day long, relentless, where is your God? Where is your God? You're asking yourself, where is your God because of how you're feeling? And everyone who sees you and sees how bad you're feeling is saying the same thing. Whoa, heavy, heavy, heavy depression. Now, yes, this is a psalm of depression. Life is tough. The psalmist is clearly depressed. But here's the good news. Psalm 42 is also a psalm of wisdom because intermixed with the psalmist's statements about his depression, there are some incredible, insightful nuggets of truth. We haven't even read these yet that show the psalmist working through his depression to get to the other side. One thing is very clear from this psalm. The psalmist does not want to wallow in his depression. He wants to work through his depression and with God's help overcome that depression. He wants to find healing and joy in his God. This is very clear. Which kind of tells me something. At any given moment, when we get depressed, and all of us get depressed, some of you are going to find, Mark, you get depressed? Yes, there are moments that I get depressed. But when we get depressed, we can either work through our depression to get to the other side, or we can work with our depression and let that depression get the best of us and bring us into an even deeper state of depression and gloom and despair. So you got two choices. You can battle that depression and work through it, or you can just go with that depression and it'll take you deeper. 
Hmm. Now, I believe that God has given to us Psalm 42, and I've taken many people to this psalm before. And I, I believe that God has given it to us for a couple of reasons. First, I think Psalm 42, it tells us, and we need to hear this, that the best of God's people can get depressed. The best. The best. There is no one here spiritual enough that you will not face depression. And if you face depression, please don't think you're not spiritual or something. The best face depression. And, and we need to hear that once in a while. It brings some perspective to our lives. And the second thing, though, why I believe this psalm is here is that Psalm 42 tells us there is a way out of depression. And watch this. It will work. It will work. It's no cakewalk. But if we follow these principles, God will definitively will bring you out. He will bring you out. It'll take some time. But if you're willing to work with God and follow these principles, the biblical principles, you can overcome your depression. No question about it. So Psalm 42, it gives us three ways to work through our depression. It's not going to be instantaneous. It's a process. Usually, it takes you a little bit of time to get into oppressive state. If you really trace down what's happened, and it takes you a little bit of time to get out if you follow these principles. So we're going to talk about three ways to work through our depression to overcome it. I've given you, in your outlines, you see three principles to overcome depression. Now, if you're with me so far, say amen. Okay, good. Those who didn't say amen, you're just a little too depressed. No, I'm just joking. So here we go. Um, number one, depression is overcome by seeking God first to help us work through our depression. Now, now, that sounds so simple, but watch this. It's not. It is not. Read it again. Depression is overcome by seeking God first. Didn't say second, third, fourth. To help us work through our depression. See, one of the biggest reasons for our depression is leaving God out of our depression. When you get depressed, is your first response to seek God for His assistance to help you work through your depression. Do you call upon God, watch this, for His assistance? It's amazing how long it takes us to do that. And notice, though, what the psalmist does. Notice how he begins this psalm in verses 1 to 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You, did you notice there, we just read it, the first thing the psalmist does? I mean, he called, he called the friend, right? That's what he did. He, he, he ordered a pizza, and he totally pigged out, right? That's what he did, right? That's the beginning verses. That's what it says, right? Oh, he turned to drugs and alcohol. That's what it says, right? Oh, no, no, he called this counselor. No, no, better yet, I think it says it that he called this pastor. Hmm. No. He turned to God. He seeks God. Why? Because the psalmist knows, as we should know, that God is the antidote for our depression. God is the medicine for our depression. And this is taught all 
over the Bible. Psalm 16, verse 11. You fill me with joy in your presence. Joy is the opposite of depression. You, that's God, fill me with joy in your presence. I can know that joy. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me. This is what Jesus said. Come to me. Me. I'm the medicine. All you who are weary and burdened, that's depressed. I will give you rest. I. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's a relationship. For I am gentle of heart, and, and you will find rest for your souls in the, in the midst of the depth of your soul. You're going to find rest. You're going to find peace. God is the antidote. He's the medication for our depression. The first step to overcome depression is seek God. It's not easy. We like to wallow in our depression. It, it's just human nature. Wow. But we've got to change how we live our lives if we want to overcome depression. We've got to work with God. Look what uh, the first step is to seek God. Look at Proverbs 8.17. Those who seek me will find me. If you seek God, you're going to find him. Hebrews 11.6. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, depression lingers because we often seek God. Watch this as a last resort. That's kind of crazy. Well, God, I've tried everything else. I've tried everything else. Has it really come down to this, that I have to seek you? That I have to turn to you? Has it really come to the the lowest point where I have to pray, I have to seek you, I have to go, I, I need to go to church? Has it really come to that? Oh, man. Why do we delay in coming to God? If you're depressed, watch this. The reason is, you're delaying coming to God. You've got to face that. Depression is overcome when we learn to seek God. Watch this first, and watch this immediately. Immediately. See, I can remember moments in parenting when our boys, you know, were super young, and now I've got a granddaughter. It's just beautiful. And I see that, you know, it's just a total, and a, it's bringing back all these memories, right? And I remember, though, parenting our boys, our three boys, when they were just young, and, 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 and they would get so frustrated at times with something as simple as, watch this. Do you remember this with your kids, learning to tie their tennis shoes? They get so frustrated because they just couldn't get their hands to do that. And here I am as their dad, I, I, I'm just looking at them, And I would say, and they're just frustrated. They are depressed that they can't do this. And I would just say, hey, Josh, James, Luke, just ask Daddy. I'm right here. I'll help you. Just look up at me. And I'm watching them struggle. Isn't that like how we are with God? We get so frustrated. We we get so depressed trying to do things on our own. And God just like, I'm your heavenly father. When are you going to turn and ask me for help? God will never violate your free will. Ever. God gives you free will. But when you turn your will to him, he's there in a second. Don't think God is going to come to your rescue and take your depression from you if you don't turn to him. That is not how God works. We must seek him first. Wow. 
Look, what does God say? Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Whoa. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now, let me give you three ways to seek God first. I mean, what does this really look like practically in our lives? Because there's some amazing insight into what this looks like. So if you're depressed, this is how you seek God. This is how I seek God. Let's talk about this a little bit. Three ways to seek God first. Number one, seek God passionately. I'm not talking about something shallow here. Seek God passionately. Look at verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. That is a passionate verse. Think about a deer being hunted maybe, and he gets away from the one hunting it, and it runs like crazy, and, and it's thirsty, but it keeps running, and finally it sees a stream, and, it, he's, and he's panting, and he just goes after that water. Is that how you are with God? Is that the attitude of your heart, passionately seeking God? And then seek God directly. My soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? It's seeking God directly. I want you, God, to be the answer to my depressive state. I'm searching after you, passionately coming to you. And then seek God where God is. Where can I go, the psalmist says, and meet with God? You know, last Thursday, every Thursday, uh, Thursday's my day off. Sometimes I get a golf. Uh, I always spend time with my dad. We read the Bible, pray together. I can't wait for that. Always love that. And then I get to come home. And I'm just being kind of open with you. My favorite thing to do all week, I love my day Tuesdays, prayer and fasting and study. That's an incredible day. I love that. But then Thursdays is probably even more special. Because I come home, our three boys are gone, the house is empty, and, and I go into my room, and I just close the door, and I've got uninterrupted time with God. And I just, I have my Bible, and I have my journal. And, you know, I, I, I journal, and here I am on, on Thursday, and I'm journaling, and I'm just like, you know, Lord, and I'm writing this down. My favorite thing in life is just spend time with you. It, it's the greatest, and I just can't believe it. Because I travel the world, and I'm around persecuted Christians everywhere. That they, they can't do what I do, because they'll get thrown in jail if they're caught with a Bible. And here I am, I have this time, uninterrupted, and I just begin writing all the reasons why this is the most incredible moment that I get to be with God. Because of the acceptance, and the love, and, and the affirmation, and the joy I have, and the peace I have. And I'm just writing, I'm filling up my whole journal. And it just amazes me. I get to spend time with my God. And it's just beautiful. If you have those moments, that depression is just gone. <laughs> wow. Can I give you three places where God always is? Because it says here, where can I go and meet with God? Can I give you, this is where you can go and meet with God. Number one. God is always in the Bible. Always. Always in the Bible. This is the revelation of God himself. So when you read the Bible, you are face to face with God. And so Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who is not depressed. 
You want to overcome depression? Read the Bible. If you're depressed, read more of the Bible. Read the Bible. Read books, chapters, books. Read it for 10 hours. Read it, read it, read it. It's the Word of God. What's your alternative? To sink deeper in depression? Or are you going to work with God to get out of depression? Come to know God. Know Him. Read the Bible. God is always found in the Bible. God is always found in prayer. Read the Bible and pray. Talk to your God. Journal. Whatever. Come to God. Seek Him passionately. Talk to Him. And God is always with His people. He's always with His people in church and in worship. The body of Christ. When we get depressed, what's the number one first thing we should do? Don't work with your depression seeking secondary remedies. Work through your depression and seek God first. Passionately, directly where God is in the Bible and prayer with His people. I love what Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things, that's overcoming depression, will be given to you as well if you put God first. Wow. A lot easier said than done, beloved. It's easy to hear that and go, oh yeah, I've done that before. No, you have not done it before. If it's not brought out, you out of your depression, you have not done it. It's shallow seeking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeking God, knowing God deeply. Wow. Some of us love our depression more than we love God. Whoa. I know, that's, that's a heavy thought to think about. We love nursing our depression. I say this because I love you. Amen? And I love the Lord. And I battle with the same things. Don't think that the enemy does not come upon Mark Tyler and try to depress me. He does, and I know it's him knocking at my door. I know it. I know I'm a target. And I need your prayers. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. We need each other. But we've got to have wisdom when it comes to facing this area. So, I know there's tons of stories here. I know there are those of you who have faced deep bouts of depression, and you've learned by seeking God first. Some of the things we've talked about, you need to share a story at your table right now. Here's your first discussion question. How can we learn to seek God first when we face depression? How did you learn that? Someone tell a story. Go for it at your table. Looking at three principles for overcoming depression. Depression is overcome, number one, by seeking God first to help us work through our depression to get the other side. Second is this. Depression is overcome by remembering the blessings that God has granted us. Again, it sounds so easy, but it's not. One of the reasons we get so depressed is that we have convinced ourselves that we have been dealt the worst hand ever. <laughs> really? I mean, we need to remember the blessings that God has given us because some of us only see this hand that we've been delivered. Look what the psalmist is doing in verse 4. He says this, These things I remember, the psalmist says, as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Now what's going on? This is a beautiful principle. Now remember, the psalmist is depressed. He's in Babylon. 
He's in a foreign country. And here the psalmist is remembering the blessings of being part of the multitude, the procession that went to Jerusalem on one of the three uh, annual pilgrimages, these festivals, either Passover, First Fruits, or Tabernacles. And worshipers, they would travel from all over Israel to Jerusalem to these festival, these festive celebrations. Thousands of Jews. And the psalmist is remembering the blessing of participating in one of these celebrations. So let me give you a principle here. Depression results when we see only the woes of our present circumstance. You see, it's so easy for us to just see the bad, the negative, the trouble, the problems. There's not a person in this room who at times does not get what I call tunnel vision. And we see only the gloom. When we get depressed, think about it. When we get depressed, it's because our vision has narrowed. And we begin to see life with tunnel vision. I mean, you know how this works. It works for you, the same as with me. We pick out one negative thing in our life. Sometimes it's our finances or a relationship or a lack of a relationship or maybe our health or our kids or something with our job or a coworker. And we get consumed, fixated on that one negative issue. And that's all we see. We become absolutely transfixed and we only see that one thing and we see life through that very narrow focus. I remember years ago uh, when <laughs> I, I installed our phone lines uh, into our house. And the problem was I did it completely wrong. And it was like eight hours of labor. Like, I mean, it, I was just so bummed out. And that incident, it ruined my entire day. I failed to thank God that I even had a house. Are you following me? I'm just focused on this one thing, and I'm so bummed out and so depressed. And that's our problem that leads to our depression. We're failing to remember the big picture. We fail to remember all the blessings of God. Here's the principle. Depression is overcome when we remember the blessings of God upon our lives. The key word here is remember. Look at verse 4 again. These things I remember. Let me ask you a question. God, what, what things does God want you to remember right now in your life? For some of us, we, we remember, we're focusing, we're fixated on only the negative. You're, you're seeing life with tunnel vision. What is it that God wants you to remember? What are the blessings that God wants you to recount? Do you want to escape your depression? Then list your blessings. Take out a sheet of paper like I do. And I start listing the blessings of God. And if once you run out of one sheet of paper, go to the next. Sometimes you literally need to do that to get out of depression. I have done it before. How serious are you in wanting to whoop depression? Because evidently what you're doing is not working. And it's insanity to do, repeat the same thing over and over again, think you're going to get a different result. Some of us, it's tunnel vision. That's all you're seeing. You need to see the blessings of God, and you've got to remember that. You've got to write that down. Look what Deuteronomy 6.12. This is a warning. It says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord's blessings, how he brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
In other words, be careful that you don't forget you're a Christian. You've been saved by God's grace. You're going to heaven. Don't forget that one huge, amazing fact. What a blessing. Psalm 103, verse 3. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Would you please circle or underline the word all? Because we're to be cognizant of all the blessings of God. Have you forgotten all the blessings of God? Guess what? You'll be depressed. You will. If you are not aware, self-aware of all the blessings of God, it's going to lead to depression in your life. Now, listen to how the psalmist, he's so real here, and, and he's starting to come out of his depression. Why? Because he's remembering the blessings of God. And this is just a beautiful uh, statement, these verses of him working through his depression, like we do. Look at verse 6. He says, my soul is downcast within me. In other words, he's saying, I am depressed. Therefore, I will remember you. I'm going to remember you, God. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. These are places in Israel that he had traveled to. And he's remembering the goodness of God in those areas. Then he says in verse 7, Deep calls the deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. He's battling. He's going back now. This is Hebrew poetry for talking about how this is why I gave you the title. Where do you turn when depression blankets you like a cloud? This is a statement of his depression. It's like I'm depressed like a waterfall coming on top of me. The breakers sweeping over me. That's how we feel at times. But then look at verse 8. He says, but then he's coming out because of all the blessings that he's thinking about. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The psalmist is saying, even here in Babylon, yes, Lord, I'm in a foreign country, but during the day, I'm starting to feel your love more and more. And at night, your song is with me. At night, I'm starting to sing again. He's starting to sing again. He's starting to feel the love of God again. Why? Because he's been recounting the blessings of God. One person has said this, next time you find yourself despairing, Ask yourself two questions. Have I got enough air to breathe? <laughs> and two, have I enough food for today? If the answer is yes, things are already looking up. If you've got enough air to breathe, enough food to eat, guess what? Things are looking up. And some of us just need to remind ourselves of some of the basic things that we just got made. Let me tell you. Places I go, they don't have enough. The air that they're breathing, you would not believe. It's bad. And they don't have enough food. We have that in abundance. You know, we often overlook the fact that our greatest needs are already being met abundantly. We need to see that. A little boy, he was overheard talking to himself as he strode in the backyard, baseball cap in place and He's totting a bat and a ball. I'm the greatest baseball player in the world, he said proudly. Then he tossed the ball in the air, swung, and he missed. Undaunted, he picked up the ball, threw it into the air, and said to himself, I'm the greatest baseball player in the world. He swung again, and again he missed. He paused a moment to examine the bat and the ball carefully. Then once again, he threw the ball into the air and said, I'm the greatest baseball player who ever lived. He swung the bat with all of his might, and he missed again. Wow, he exclaimed, what a pitcher. 
there's always a secondary way of looking at our circumstances. Count your blessings. You need to look at your life from a different perspective. Get rid of the tunnel vision. How do we overcome depression? How can we not work with depression, but work through depression? You've got to get rid of tunnel vision. Depression is overcome by, watch this, remembering the blessings of God. Now, if you're depressed here this morning, okay, you, you're not remembering the blessings of God. You say, yes, Mark, I have. No, no, no. I'm not talking about some shallow, superficial remembering. Whatever you need to do to remember, to live with the fact that you are blessed, 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 you got to come to that point. People who are full of joy, they realize they are blessed, 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 blessed. People who are depressed, they see, woe is me. That's all they see. There's times I feel that way. But we have to work through our depression. The way we do that is we seek God first and second. We count our blessings. Amen? Now, I know there's a lot of you that have stories on this, so I want to give you a moment. How can we become better at remembering the blessings God has granted us? Some of you have really just made huge progress with this. You used to be so depressed, but you've learned to count your blessings. Maybe your circumstances hasn't changed, but your focus is different. You need to testify at your table. Talk about that. All right, we are talking about three principles for having victory over uh, depression. Here's the third principle. Depression is overcome by talking to ourselves about refocusing our hope in God. Talking to ourselves about refocusing our hope in God. Now, this sounds simple, but it is not. It's not. This is the last thing you want to do when you're depressed. Let me answer this question honestly. Honestly, just in your heart, where is your hope right now? Is it in this world? Is it in your job? Is it in the economy? Is it in your marriage? Is it in a relationship? Is it in your portfolio? Is it in your family? Is your hope in your health? Is your hope in your looks? Now let me give you a truth. We are setting ourselves up to get depressed if our hope is in anything or anyone other than God. Why do people get depressed? Answer, because of misplaced hope. Every time. You look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? In other words, why are you so depressed? And look what he, the psalmist says. Put your hope in God. And then, then he says it again in verse 11. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Right? We got praise Him, my Savior and my God. Here's a principle. Depression results if we lose hope or if our hope gets misplaced. And the reason you lose hope, watch this, is because you've misplaced it. One person has said this. You can last 40 days without food, Four days without water, four minutes without oxygen, but not four seconds without hope. Hope is absolutely critical. If we lack hope, depression will set in. People who commit suicide feel as if they have no hope. 
The truth is this. The reason you feel you have no hope is because you are living with misplaced hope or misdirected hope. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.4, anyone who is among the living has hope. If you are alive, you have hope. Why is it that the living have hope? Because God is right next to you. The most incredible source of hope imaginable is right next to you. One prayer away. That's why you always have hope. Now, this is where we as Christians, we need to be very careful because it's so easy for us as Christians to misplace our hope or misdirect our hope. We can begin, it's very easy, especially when you're depressed, to place our hope in our kids. And that's why you, you see some parents, their whole life is around their kids. And all of a sudden their kids move out and they are depressed. And then the marriage ends. Where are we at? What in the world? Why are we got our hope in our kids? Whoa. We're, we're messed up. As Christians? Or it, it's very easy, though, to slide into this. We start to put our hope in relationships or in the economy, in our abilities, in our intellect, even in our church or in our health. Where is your hope? You've got to be honest about this. Right now, if you want to overcome depression, you've got to be honest. Where is your hope? And my question for you following up is, is it misplaced? Because the Bible tells us again and again and again, put your hope in no one and in nothing other than God. No one, nothing should ever be where we place our hope other than God. And if you do that, let me tell you, you are setting yourself up to get depressed. Here's a principle. Depression is overcome when our hope gets refocused on God. How can we refocus our hope on God? One main way, and there's only one way. Verse 5. Why, my soul, you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Question, who is the psalmist talking to right there? Who? Himself. This is self-talk. The psalmist is talking to himself about what he needs to do. And we need to talk to ourselves about making some changes in the focus of our hope if we want to overcome our depression. We need a mind transformation. We need to start talking to our mind and our soul about where our hope is because it's misplaced. That's how you overcome depression. You need to switch the focus of your hope from something or someone if it's something or someone other than God. We need to get super honest with ourselves and make some changes in the focus or the object of our hope. Hmm. And the psalmist again repeats it in verse 11 again. Why, my soul, you're so downcast. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, which tells us this needs to become our practice, this self-talk about our hope until we get our hope squarely focused on God. I mean, two times it's mentioned here. He's talking to himself. Get soul, get your focus of hope on God. Anyone and everything will eventually let us down other than God. (laughs) Hmm. That's why the psalmist says, put your hope in God. Look at the promise of Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's so simple. 
Those who put their hope squarely in God, you're going to find strength. Translation, you want to overcome depression, put your hope in God. You'll get supernatural strength. Wow. Easy to talk about. Very difficult to do. Yeah. Max Lucado, he says this. We are not happy here because we're not supposed to be happy here. We're like foreigners and strangers in this world. Take a fish and place him on the beach. Watch his gills gasp and his scales go dry. Is he happy? No. How do you make him happy? Do you cover him with a mountain of cash? Do you give him a beach chair and sunglasses? Do you bring him playfish and a martini? Of course not. Then how do you make him happy? You put him back in his element. You put him back in the water. He will never be happy on the beach simply because he's not made for the beach. Beloved, you and I were not made to put our hope in anything or anyone other than God. It's so basic. You know, I, I love what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Some of you have been allowing the world to just squeeze you and you're putting your hope in the things of this world. You're just, you're being tricked. Don't allow this world, don't allow Satan to dupe you, to trick you, to deceive you. And you're giving your heart and your soul and your hope to something other than God. And you wonder why you're depressed? Of course you're going to be depressed. That's going to let you down. God is the only one who will never let you down. I remember uh, a few years back, <laughs> we were driving from the church to the bottom, you know, at the gates. And I'm in the car and Tracy's with me. And I look across the street, in the streets, there are four older teenagers around, one kid on the ground, they're beating them up, beating them up. And I jump out of the car, I run across the street, and right when I get there, the four larger teenagers run, and the kid that's on the ground, I look at him, and he looks up at me and he goes, gotcha, and he turns around and he runs. You know, so, that is exactly what Satan's going to say to you and what the world says to you, when you put your hope in something or someone else, it's going to eventually say, gotcha. And you're going to be so depressed because you got tricked to putting your hope in something or someone other than God. And it's going to lead to a depression that, that wow, you're going to learn a lesson. And the lesson is this, I'm never going to put my hope in anyone or anything other than God. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Wow. How do we overcome depression? Don't foolishly work with your depression by misplacing your hope in a false source of hope. And some of us just keep doing that. Wisely work through your depression by placing your hope back on God. That's a spiritual thing that, 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 that takes place in our soul and it takes self-talk. Depression is overcome by talking to ourselves about refocusing our hope on God. Wow. Many of you have learned to do that. And that's why you have victory over depression. You've learned to talk to your soul about where you put your hope. And please tell a story about that at your table. How are you learning to refocus your hope in God? Take a moment, talk about this. All right, so where do you turn? When depression blankets you like a cloud, I, I, I pray that you'll say, you know what, I'm going to turn to Psalm 42. 
Because guess what? John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, Spurgeon, the best get depressed. You're going to face depression. You will. So will I. Depression, however, is overcome. And it can be overcome. There's victory by God's grace when we follow God's principles. And the psalmist gives us three ways. We see him working through his depression, coming to the other side. It's overcome by seeking God first, not second, not third, inviting God to help us. Second, it's overcome by remembering the blessings God has granted to us. Not being a person of tunnel vision, but a blessing vision. Seeing the blessings. And it's overcome by talking to ourselves about refocusing our hope in God, not that something or someone else that we're fixated on. It's not biblical. Wow. You know, I was, I was recently reading how the Hubble Space Telescope, it's identified, watch this, a comet that definitely, without question, is going to collide with planet Earth. It will completely destroy this planet. All life on this planet will be wiped out. It's an undisputed fact. It is going to happen. Kind of depressing, isn't it? All right, let's pray. Let you guys go. No. <laughs> the only other bit of news that I should probably tell you in association with that statement is that this comet will not hit Earth until 235 billion years from today. There's always an alternative way of looking at the same issue. Hopefully these three principles have provided for you an alternative way at looking at depression, a biblical way. And who knows, if you follow these principles, literally put them into practice, you just might have victory over your depression. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, the best of us get depressed. Thank you that there's a prescription. And the psalmist gives us that prescription in your word. Lord, these are easy things to teach about. They're not easy things to appropriate. And that's where we need your Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, bless your people. Touch your people. Give your people hope. Hope in you. Let them turn to you first. Let us remember your blessings, Lord. Recount them. Would you just talk to the Lord? Just, I'm compelled to give you the moment to come to the awesome God that we have who heals, who delivers. Just come to Him. Oh God, bless every one of these prayers, I pray. For each one here, those watching on video, oh God, answer our prayers in the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask. Our God's people said?